Section 14 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas, and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter 12. Quetzaltenango. Account of it. Conversion of the inhabitants to Christianity. Appearance of the city. The convent. Insurrection. Carrera's march upon Quetzaltenango. His treatment of the inhabitants. Preparations for Holy Week. The church. A procession. Good Friday. Celebration of the resurrection. Opening ceremony. The crucifixion. A sermon. Descent from the cross. Grand procession. Church of El Calvario. The case of the cura. Warm springs of Almolonga. We were again on classic soil. The reader, perhaps, requires to be reminded that the city stands on the site of the ancient Shelahu, next to Utatlan, the largest city in Quiche, the word Shelahu meaning under the government of ten. That is, it was governed by ten principal captains, each captain presiding over eight thousand dwellings, in all eighty thousand, and containing, according to Fuentes, more than three hundred thousand inhabitants that on the defeat of tecum uman by alvarado the inhabitants abandoned the city and fled to their ancient fortresses Ishcancel the volcano and sekshak another mountain adjoining that the spaniards entered the deserted city and according to a manuscript found in the village of san andres checul their videttes captured the four celebrated caciques whose names the reader doubtless remembers were kalel kalek apogeham kalelahan and kalelaboy the spanish records say that they fell on their knees before pedro alvarado while a priest explained to them the nature of the christian faith and they declared themselves ready to embrace it two of them were retained as hostages and the others sent back to the fortresses who returned with such multitudes of indians ready to be baptized that the priests from sheer fatigue could no longer lift their arms to perform the ceremony as we approached seven towering churches showed that the religion so hastily adopted had not died away in a few minutes we entered the city the streets were handsomely paved and the houses picturesque in architecture the cabildo had two stories and a corridor the cathedral with its facade richly decorated was grand and imposing the plaza was paved with stone having a fine fountain in the centre and commanding a magnificent view of the volcano and mountains around it was the day before good friday the streets and plaza were crowded with people in their best attire the indians wearing large black cloaks with broad-brimmed felt sombreros and the women a white frock covering the head except an oblong opening for the face some wore a sort of turban of red cord plaited with the hair the bells were hushed and wooden clappers sounded in their stead as we rode through armed to the teeth the crowd made way in silence we passed the door of the church and entered the great gate of the convent 
the cura was absent at the moment but a respectable-looking servant-woman received us in a manner that assured us of a welcome from her master there was however an air of excitement and trepidation in the whole household and it was not long before the good woman unburdened herself of matters fearfully impressed upon her mind after chocolate we went to the corregidor to whom we presented our letters from the government and carrera's passport he was one of morazan's expulsados a fine military-looking man but as he told us not a soldier by profession he was in office by accident and exceedingly anxious to lay down his command indeed his brief service had been no sinecure he introduced us to don juan lavanigna an italian from genoa banished on account of a revolution headed by the present king then heir apparent and intended to put him on the throne but out of which he basely drew himself leaving his followers to their fate how the senor found his way to this place i did not learn but he had not found peace and if i am not deceived he was as anxious to get out of it as ever he was to leave genoa on our return to the convent we found the cura who gave us personally the welcome assured us by his housekeeper with him was a respectable-looking indian bearing the imposing title of gobernador being the indian alcalde and it was rather singular that in an hour after our arrival at quetzaltenango we had become acquainted with the four surviving victims of carrera's wrath all of whom had narrowly escaped death at the time of the outrage the rumor of which reached us at guatemala the place was still quivering under the shock of that event we had heard many of the particulars on the road and in quetzaltenango except the parties concerned no one could speak of anything else on the first entry of morazan's soldiers into the plaza at guatemala in an unfortunate moment a courier was sent to quetzaltenango to announce the capture of the city the effect there was immediate and decided the people rose upon the garrison left by carrera and required them to lay down their arms the corregidor not wishing to fire upon the townsmen and finding it would be impossible with his small force to repress the insurrection by the advice of the cura and don juan lavanigna to prevent bloodshed and a general massacre induced the soldiers to lay down their arms and leave the town the same night the municipality without his knowledge nominated don juan lavanigna as commandant he refused to serve but the town was in a violent state of excitement and they urged him to accept for that night only representing that if he did not the fury of the populace would be directed against him the same night they made a pronunciamiento in favor of morazan and addressed a letter of congratulation to him which they dispatched immediately by an indian courier it will be remembered however that in the meantime morazan had been driven out of guatemala and that carrera 
had pursued him in his flight at the antigua the latter met a disarmed sergeant who informed him of the proceedings at quetzaltenango whereupon abandoning his pursuit of morazan he marched directly thither early intelligence was received of his approach and the corregidor the cura and don juan lavanigna were sent as deputation to receive him they met him at totonicapan carrera had heard on the road of their agency in inducing the soldiers to surrender their arms and his first greeting was a furious declaration that their heads should lie at that place laying aside his fanaticism and respect for the priests he broke out against the cura in particular who he said was a relative of morazan the cura said he was not a relative but only a countryman which in that region means a townsman and could not help the place of his birth but carrera forthwith ordered four soldiers to remove him a few paces and shoot him on the spot the gobernador the old indian referred to threw himself on his knees and begged the cura's life but carrera drew his sword and struck the indian twice across the shoulder and the wounds were still unhealed when we saw him but he desisted from his immediate purpose of shooting the cura and delivered him over to the soldiers don juan lavanigna was saved by carrera's secretary who exhibited in el tiempo the government paper of guatemala an extract from a letter written by don juan to a friend in guatemala praising carrera's deportment on his previous entry into quetzaltenango and the discipline and good behavior of his troops early the next morning carrera marched into quetzaltenango with the cura and don juan as prisoners the municipality waited upon him in the plaza but unhappily the indian entrusted with the letter to morazan had loitered in the town and at this unfortunate moment presented it to carrera before his secretary had finished reading it carrera in a transport of fury drew his sword to kill them on the spot with his own hand wounded molina the alcalde mayor and two other members of the municipality but checked himself and ordered the soldiers to seize them he then rode to the corregidor where he again broke out into fury and drew his sword upon him a woman in the room threw herself before the corregidor and carrera struck around her several times but finally checked himself again and ordered the corregidor to be shot unless he raised five thousand dollars by contributions upon the town don juan and the cura he had locked up in a room with the threat to shoot them at five o'clock that afternoon unless they paid him one thousand dollars each and the former two hundred and the latter one hundred to his secretary don juan was the principal merchant in the town but even for him it was difficult to raise that sum the poor cura told carrera that he was not worth a cent in the world except his furniture and books no one was allowed to visit him except the old housekeeper who first told us the story
many of his friends had fled or hidden themselves away and the old housekeeper ran from place to place with notes written by him begging five dollars ten dollars anything she could get one old lady sent him a hundred dollars at four o'clock with all his efforts he had raised but seven hundred dollars but after undergoing all the mental agonies of death when the cura had given up all hope don juan who had been two hours at liberty made up the deficiency and he was released the next morning carrera sent to don juan to borrow his shaving apparatus and don juan took them over himself he had always been on good terms with carrera and the latter asked him if he had got over his fright talking with him as familiarly as if nothing had happened shortly afterward he was seen at the window playing on a guitar and in an hour thereafter eighteen members of the municipality without the slightest form of trial not even a drumhead court-martial were taken out into the plaza and shot they were all the very first men in quetzaltenango and molina the alcalde mayor in family position and character was second to no other in the republic his wife was clinging to carrera's knees and begging for his life when he passed with a file of soldiers she screamed robertito he looked at her but did not speak she shrieked and fainted and before she recovered her husband was dead he was taken around the corner of the house seated on a stone and dispatched at once the others were seated in the same place one at a time the stone and the wall of the house were still red with their blood i was told that carrera shed tears for the death of the first two but for the rest he said he did not care heretofore in all their revolutions there had been some show of regard for the tribunals of justice and the horror of the citizens at this lawless murder of their best men cannot be conceived the facts were notorious to everybody in quetzaltenango we heard them with but little variation of detail from more than a dozen different persons having consummated this enormity carrera returned to guatemala and the place had not yet recovered from its consternation it was considered a blow at the whites and all feared the horrors of a war of castes i have avoided speaking harshly of carrera when i could i consider myself under personal obligations to him and without his protection i never could have travelled through the country but it is difficult to suppress the feelings of indignation excited against the government which conscious of the enormity of his conduct and of his utter contempt for them never dared call him to account and now cajoles and courts him sustaining itself in power by his favor alone to return to the cura he was about forty-five tall stout and remarkably fine-looking he had several curacies under his charge and next to a canonigo's his position was the highest in the country 
but it had its labors he was at that time engrossed with the ceremonies of the holy week and in the evening we accompanied him to the church at the door the coup d'oeuvre of the interior was most striking the church was two hundred and fifty feet in length spacious and lofty richly decorated with pictures and sculptured ornaments blazing with lights and crowded with indians on each side of the door was a grating behind which stood an indian to receive offerings the floor was strewed with pine leaves on the left was the figure of a dead christ on a bier upon which every woman who entered threw a handful of roses and near it stood an indian to receive money opposite behind an iron grating was the figure of christ bearing the cross the eyes bandaged and large silver chains attached to the arms and other parts of the body and fastened to the iron bars here too stood an indian to receive contributions the altar was beautiful in design and decorations consisting of two rows of ionic columns one above another gilded surmounted by a golden glory and lighted by candles ten feet high under the pulpit was a piano after a stroll around the church the cura led us to seats under the pulpit he asked us to give them some of the airs of our country and then himself sat down at the piano on mr c's suggesting that the tune was from one of rossini's operas he said that this was hardly proper for the occasion and changed it about ten o'clock the crowd in the church formed into a procession and mr c and i went out and took a position at the corner of a street to see it pass it was headed by indians two abreast each carrying in his hand a long lighted wax candle and then borne aloft on the shoulders of four men came the figure of judith with a bloody sword in one hand and in the other the gory head of holofernes next also on the shoulders of four men the archangel gabriel dressed in red silk with large wings puffed out the next were men in grotesque armor made of black and silver paper to resemble moors with shield and spear like ancient cavaliers and then four little girls dressed in white silk and gauze and looking like little spiritualities with men on each side bearing lighted candles then came a large figure of christ bearing the cross supported by four indians on each side were young indian lads carrying long poles horizontally to keep the crowd from pressing upon it and followed by a procession of townsmen in turning the corner of the street at which we stood a dark mestizo with a scowl of fanaticism on his face said to mr catherwood take off your spectacles and follow the cross next followed a procession of women with children in their arms half of them asleep fancifully dressed with silver caps and headdresses and finally a large statue of the virgin in a sitting posture magnificently attired with indian lads on each side as before supporting poles with candles 
the whole was accompanied with the music of drums and violins and as the long train of light passed down the street we returned to the convent the night was very cold and the next morning was like one in december at home it was the morning of good friday and throughout guatemala in every village preparations were making to celebrate with the most solemn ceremonies of the church the resurrection of the saviour in quetzaltenango at that early hour the plaza was thronged with indians from the country around but the whites terrified and grieving at the murder of their best men avoided to a great extent taking part in the celebration at nine o'clock the corregidor called for us and we accompanied him to the opening ceremony on one side of the nave of the church near the grand altar and opposite the pulpit were high cushioned chairs for the corregidor and members of the municipality and we had seats with them the church was thronged with indians estimated at more than three thousand formerly at this ceremony no women or children were admitted but now the floor of the church was filled with indian women on their knees with red cords plaited in their hair and perhaps one-third of them had children on their backs their heads and arms only visible except ourselves and the padre there were no white people in the church and with all eyes turned upon us and a lively recollection of the fate of those who but a few days before had occupied our seats we felt that the post of honor was a private station at the steps of the grand altar stood a large cross apparently of solid silver richly carved and ornamented and over it a high arbor of pine and cypress branches at the foot of the cross stood a figure of mary magdalene weeping with her hair in a profusion of ringlets her frock low in the neck and altogether rather immodest on the right was the figure of the virgin gorgeously dressed and in the nave of the church stood john the baptist placed there as it seemed only because they had the figure on hand very soon strains of wild indian music rose from the other end of the church and a procession advanced headed by indians with broad brimmed felt hats dark cloaks and lighted wax candles preceding the body of the saviour on a bier borne by the cura and attendant padres and followed by indians with long wax candles the bier advanced to the foot of the cross ladders were placed behind against it the gobernador with his long black cloak and broad-brimmed felt hat mounted on the right and leaned over holding in his hands a silver hammer and a long silver spike another indian dignitary mounted on the other side while the priests raised the figure up in front the face was ghastly blood trickled down the cheeks the arms and legs were movable and in the side was a gaping wound with a stream of blood oozing from it the back was affixed to the cross the arms extended spikes driven through the hands and feet the ladders taken away 
and thus the figure of Christ was nailed to the cross. This over, we left the church and passed two or three hours in visiting. The white population was small, but equal in character to any in the Republic, and there was hardly a respectable family that was not afflicted by the outrage of Carrera. We knew nothing of the effect of this enormity until we entered domestic circles. The distress of women whose nearest connections had been murdered or obliged to fly for their lives, and then wandering they knew not where, those only can realize who can appreciate woman's affection. I was urged to visit the widow of Molina. Her husband was but thirty-five, and his death under any circumstances would have been lamented, even by political enemies. I felt a painful interest in one who had lived through such a scene, but at the door of her house I stopped. I felt that a visit from a stranger must be an intrusion upon her sorrows. In the afternoon we were again seated with the municipality in the church to behold the descent from the cross. The spacious building was thronged to suffocation, and the floor was covered by a dense mass of kneeling women with turbaned headdresses and crying children on their backs their imaginations excited by gazing at the bleeding figure on the cross. But among them all, I did not see a single interesting face. A priest ascended the pulpit, thin and ghastly pale, who, in a voice that rang through every part of the building, preached emphatically a passion sermon. Few of the Indians understood even the language, and at times the cries of children made his words inaudible. But the thrilling tones of his voice played upon every chord in their hearts, and mothers, regardless of their infants' cries, sat motionless, their countenances fixed in high and stern enthusiasm. It was the same church, and we could imagine them to be the same women who, in a frenzy and fury of fanaticism, had dragged the unhappy vice-president by the hair and murdered him with their hands. Every moment the excitement grew stronger. The priest tore off his black cap and, leaning over the pulpit, stretched forward both his arms and poured out a frantic apostrophe to the bleeding figure on the cross. A dreadful groan, almost curdling the blood, ran through the church. At this moment, at the signal from the cura, the Indians sprang upon the arbor of pine branches, tore it asunder, and with a noise like the crackling of a great conflagration, struggling and scuffling around the altar, broke into bits the consecrated branches to save as holy relics. Two Indians in broad-brimmed hats mounted the ladders on each side of the cross, and with embroidered cloth over their hands and large silver pincers drew out the spikes from the hands the feelings of the women burst forth in tears sobs groans and shrieks of lamentation so loud and deep that coming upon us unexpectedly our feelings were disturbed and even with sane men the empire of reason tottered 
such screams of anguish i never heard called out by mortal suffering and as the body smeared with blood was held aloft under the pulpit while the priest leaned down and apostrophized it in frantic fervor and the mass of women wild with excitement heaved to and fro like the surges of a troubled sea the whole scene was so thrilling so dreadfully mournful that without knowing why tears started from our eyes four years before at jerusalem on mount calvary itself and in the presence of the scoffing mussulman i had beheld the same representation of the descent from the cross but the enthusiasm of greek pilgrims in the church of the holy sepulchre was nothing compared with this whirlwind of fanaticism and frenzy by degrees the excitement died away the cracking of the pine branches ceased and the whole arbor was broken up and distributed and very soon commenced preparations for the grand procession we went out with the corregidor and officers of the municipality and took our place in the balcony of the cabildo the procession opened upon us in a manner so extraordinary that screening myself from observation below i endeavored to make a note of it on the spot the leader was a man on horseback called the centurion wearing a helmet and cuirass of pasteboard covered with silver leaf a black crepe mask black velvet shorts and white stockings a red sash and blue and white ribbons on his arms a silver hilted sword and a lance with which from time to time turning around he beckoned and waved the procession on then came a led horse having on its back an old mexican saddle richly plated with silver then two men wearing long blue gowns with round hoods covering their heads and having only holes for the eyes leading two mules abreast covered with black cloth dresses enveloping their whole bodies to their feet the long trains of which were supported by men attired like the other two then followed the large silver cross of the crucifixion with a richly ornamented silver pedestal and ornaments dangling from each arm of the cross that looked like lanterns supported by four men in long black dresses next came a procession of indians two abreast wearing long black cloaks with black felt hats the brims six or eight inches wide all with lighted candles in their hands and then four indians in the same costume but with crowns of thorns on their heads dragging a long low carriage or bier filled with pine leaves and having a naked skull laid on the top at one end next and in striking contrast with this emblem of mortality advanced an angel in the attitude of an opera dancer borne on the shoulders of six men dressed in flounced purple satin with lace at the bottom gauze wings and a cloud of gauze over her head holding in her right hand a pair of silver pincers and in her left a small wooden cross and having a train of white muslin ten yards long 
supported by a pretty little girl fancifully dressed then another procession of indians with lighted candles then a group of devils in horrible masquerade then another angel still more like an opera dancer dressed in azure blue satin with rich lace wings and clouds and fluttering ribbons holding in her right hand a ladder and in her left a silver hammer her train supported as before and we could not help seeing that she wore black velvet small clothes then another angel dressed in yellow holding in her right hand a small wooden cross and in the other i could not tell what the next in order was a beautiful little girl about ten years old armed cap a pie with breastplate and helmet of silver also called the centurion who moved along in a slow and graceful dance keeping time to the music turning round stopping resting on her sword and waving on a party worthy of such a chief being twelve beautiful children fancifully dressed intending to represent the twelve apostles one of them carrying in his arms a silver cock to signify that he was the representative of st peter the next was the great object of veneration the figure of the christ crucified on a bier in a full-length case of plate glass strewed with roses inside and out and protected by a mourning canopy of black cloth supported by men in long black gowns with hoods covering all but the eyes this was followed by the cura and priests in their richest robes and bareheaded the muffled drum and soldiers with arms reversed the virgin mary in a long black mourning dress closed the procession it passed on to make the tour of the city twice we intercepted it and then went to the church of el calvario it stands on an elevation at the extreme end of a long street and the steps were already crowded with women dressed in white from the head to the feet with barely an oval opening for the face it was dark when the procession made its appearance at the foot of the street but by the blaze of innumerable lighted candles every object was exhibited with more striking wildness and fanaticism seemed written in letters of fire on the faces of the indians the centurion cleared away up the steps the procession with a loud chant entered the church and we went away End of section 14